Hi, welcome to Clean Slate, where each and every day is a clean slate. I am Vicki Strine. And I am Joanna Dean. We hope that this is a place where you find motivation towards a lifestyle of clean living with your mind, body, and spirit. Sharing stories of inspiration, hope, and encouragement. Disclaimer, we also plan to share our personal stories and have guests share theirs. We come from a place of authenticity, and with that, some topics may be controversial to some. All right, what are we talking about today? Let's uh, oh, well let's let's <laughs> welcome my newest friend Jill Vickers to Clean Slate. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. Thank you so much. You are our first guest ever. I'm excited. I know. I know. You Vicky might. and I we have decided that we want to do this forever, every day. Maybe not three hours a day, but <laughs> certainly you know just getting together and having fun. And I'm so glad you were able to join us. Yeah, and me too. Well, one of the very first things I learned about you was this nonprofit that you have. So tell us about it. Well, I have an, a nonprofit that is run out of Nicaragua. It's based, it's a U.S. nonprofit, but we execute out of Nicaragua and it's called Empower Nicaragua. And I mean, it's, it's a long sorted story that has a lot to do with God and how he, how he can work in ways that you don't even see until you look back 10 years later. But yeah, I mean, it began, um, actually even step back further than, than when it began. My sister and I were kind of laying in a hammock, um, in her backyard having a beer. Oh, can I say beer on here? Yes. Okay. And because <laughs> that's when we solve all the world's problems. But we, we both decided, we were like, we need to change the world. We have got to figure out a way to get off our ass and change the world. Right. And so we had just been talking and talking about different ways. We did some stuff in uh, Malawi, trying to sell some artisan work here. She ended up coming with me on a mission trip to Nicaragua through my church that I had been on once before and invited her to come to do some occupational therapy work in this barrio. And she came and was working really closely with the doctor. And uh, we were just kind of walking house to house, talking to some residents there. And um, we were both noticing, yes, there's a lot of kids that are carrying babies. You know, what's the deal? So we went back and asked the doctor, is teen pregnancy like a big problem here and he said yes absolutely and just basically said can you figure out a way to solve it and wow we were like i don't i don't know that we could solve it because you know we just come down here once a year however that works and i just happened to mention a program that was uh, my husband helped with over in kenya and where it was they they trained students to execute training of their peers and the doctor liked that idea and he said so go back tonight to your compound and come up with a who what when where how we can execute something like that here and so it was a quick assignment and we went back to him and said you know we could get a curriculum together to educate them on you know sex before marriage the consequences of having unprotected sex those kind of things just and then kind of incorporate what God's plan for marriage and sexuality is and it could be something that's ongoing not something we have to do something you do but why don't we train youth to do it so he loved that idea the next day we went to his clinic and he had 12 kids sitting there ready to be the mentors that we needed 
Wow. We had no program. We had nothing. So we just kind of met them, talked to them. And we went back to the States and looked and looked through churches, curriculums, trying to find something in Spanish, something that was culturally relevant. And we couldn't find anything. And so no one would help us. We didn't know how to write curriculum. We were writing another book, like a, a self-help type book, but we just said, well, why don't we just do this ourselves? And so we kind of switched gears and it took us nine months, but we wrote a curriculum and took it down there the following year. They had the teenagers, the same ones there, ready to learn. So we trained them on how to teach the curriculum. And we thought, okay, we've done what God wants us to do. Peace out. <laughs> and that really wasn't what he had in mind. So the whole thing really snowballed into a nonprofit that is, that's gone beyond just teenagers training their peers. We now have a teen center. We do community work. We do skills training. We teach English out of the center, sewing, cooking, art classes for young kids. The, the teenagers are working closely with the doctors, so they're learning how to care for chronically ill and elderly people and did a lot with COVID. And we try to, you know, sustain as much of the program as we can through work that they can do, through selling items that they make. Um, our end goal is to be sustainable, obviously, but it's just taken on, you know, God had a, a much bigger plan than we thought we were capable of. And uh, so it's it's just been amazing. It's been going on now for about 11 years. Wow. So prior to this, to some of your most recent numbers in in that particular area, is there a way to gauge how much, say, teen pregnancy mm -hmm. has yeah. been reduced? Yeah, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but the doctor, um, he is very, very involved in uh, collecting the data and the statistics. And we would notice, you know, every time we would go down, we went down two times a year, and he would always have a slideshow presentation with all the statistics he was able to keep. And so we did see, after about three or four years in, we saw a, a pretty steep decline and at that point, what was interesting, I would say probably around 20% decline. But we decided, we got ahead of ourselves and decided we want to take this program out to other areas of Nicaragua. And so we spent a full year probably just going into neighboring communities, traveling some distances. Um, people from other cities would hear about us and want us to come in and do stuff there. So we, we kind of lost ground um, in Ruben de Rio. And, and the statistics showed that the next year, wow. we saw an increase. And so that's when we said, okay, God's telling us, stay, you put. Know, stay put, there is always going to be an audience for this. Cause we had, we've probably trained over, I don't know, 10,000 kids in that community. Wow. What? Yeah. But they, um, you know, they keep having kids and they keep growing up and becoming age of, of right. sexuality. So there's always going to be a market for it. But if we can focus on this one area we can definitely show results better right um and and we have always thought there may be an opportunity to use this as a a model for running this program in different areas but we would need a completely separate staff a lot more funding um, we have a lot of people asking why are you not doing this in the u.s and that's the number one question mm. when they hear about the, the curriculum and what's involved in it they want to know why are you not doing this here why'd you take it somewhere else the answer is this this is where god told us to do it uh, that, there's no other yeah, way to put it that that's right and in you think about the all the different resources that are available in the u.s 
right versus the thing, down they there. do have opportunities and right. resources right so you know and, and one of the most important things i think about empower that i would want people to understand is we kind of went into this this whole wanting to change the world bit was not we want to change the world but we want to um facilitate people to change their own lives because we don't we don't have the power to do that but they do and you can't you can't feed poverty with donations it it doesn't it doesn't sustain itself so that's um that's something that we had thought about for a long time and ended up reading this book that was really congruent to what we were doing and it was by dr robert lupton um he's written several books and he has an amazing I guess, for lack of a better word, it's a nonprofit in Atlanta where he has just done a whole lot of, oh, what's the word they use when you go into a community and revitalize it? Gentrification. Oh. can edit that out. Does a lot of gentrification in Atlanta. And he also works in Nicaragua. And so we read his book and saw, oh, he's in Atlanta. Let's just, on a whim, just email him and see if he emails back. And he did. And this was early on in Empower. And we realized that his philosophy in his book, Toxic Charity, was exactly what we were thinking about how to serve Nicaragua without being able to put the words to it. So it was kind of a marriage made in heaven, and we've been friends ever since, and he has mentored us throughout this whole process because he's he's kind of the expert in the field of, you know, do no harm. When you, when you serve, you have to be careful not to harm when you think you're helping. That's, so, that's fascinating because right. I don't think people make that connection. Right. Like when we go and serve, are we truly bettering that person? Right. It's it's the old adage of if you teach a man to fish. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Versus just feeding them one meal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's how we run the program. Everything, you know, although donations sustain us at the moment, Everything that they do, they are paid to do their work. We have three staff members that are paid, and then our mentors who teach classes are also paid. And and the reason is because they're desperate for economic support. It's a very, very dire situation there. So expecting them to do all of this for nothing, is that's a very high expectation. Right um, Now, they don't make a lot because we have a very small budget, but it does help them buy food for their family. And that's, in a lot of cases, that's what it's used for, is just to put food on the table. But the goal is to to train them. We offer scholarships so they can go to, to college, but give them opportunities for skills training that's going to better their lives. But we expect something in return for everything we give. We right. don't give anything away because their pride, I mean, that, that hurts someone's pride to constantly give them handouts right. and their dignity. So we always expect something in return. Yeah. So it's excellent. Yeah. So you go down twice a year? Yeah. Do you just do mm-hmm. you train during that time or do you Yeah, we just... Yeah, we were training for a while. Now we have a girl on staff who is her name's Sylvia Mattis and she is she runs the teen center and she trains the new mentors. So we every time mentors happen to leave or they you know, they've aged out, there's always new mentors that come in and we get those from children who have taken the course, the Empower curriculum. And if after they take it and graduate, if they want to become a mentor, they can be trained. And so every few months, she's training them how to become a mentor. And then they're supposed to go out in the community and come up with their own classes. So they go out and find friends, invite them. We're going to hold a class this week. And so there, there's a lot of responsibility on these kids to find the children or the youth that need the information, teach it to them. But there's always an adult present. Sylvia is always there. So now it's become more operational 
that we go down. We have to do a lot of budget work. We have to do a lot of planning for the next year. And it's very important that my sister and I, from what Dr. Medina says, you have to be seen. Right. You have to be seen here because these kids are really working for you. That's what motivates them. So when you're absent, you know, they kind of fall off, fall off, fall off. They, so, need, they need to be mm-hmm. empowered. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure with COVID, that really mm-hmm. put a kibosh on you being able to get down there. It did. And did you see a spike in teen pregnancy in that absence or was it able to hold together? We, we're still collecting that data. We did get some information. It was pretty steady from 2020, 2020. Uh, but we did not hold classes. So we are thinking, I mean, kind of expecting that the 2021 data will probably show a spike. an increase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have not been in two years. Right. It's this, this past month would have been two years. So there is a trip in the works mid-year this year, but it's been very difficult not to be with I, to be with them. I bet. We've got new mentors that I don't even know, but they do an amazing job. They're hardworking very hardworking people. And they believe in, in the mission. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So what can everyday people like Vicky and myself do to help this mission? Because I love I love everything that this nonprofit stands for. Well, there you know, there's always always a need for funds, which is, you know, that's kind of like your pat answer. But we also have a partner company called See It, which stands for Cultural Immersion Trips. But we we named it See It. And it is run by one of our staff members. He's also our translator. He has his master's in tourism and English. Very smart guy. And he started this company to partner with Empower to do trips, which we don't want to call mission trips because you're not coming down here to serve. You're coming down as learners. We can coordinate trips through See It, and portion of his profit goes back to Empower. And that's something they really like to do is we wanted Nicaraguan businesses to support Nicaraguan communities. Mm. And as we try to become sustainable, we do need more funding so we can hire trainers to train for skills so we can buy equipment. So, you know, things that we can do to start a small business there that our kids can make a living from. But if someone is actually interested in seeing how things happen or even if it's tourism. A lot of people want to go and see what we're doing down there, but then they want to take a few days and go to the beach or go to slide down a volcano. Everything can be custom tailored to the group you're in. So there's a tourism version of it, and then there's a training version. So last year before COVID, we had a group of firefighters who were going to go down and bring some equipment and train the firefighters in Lyon on systems that they didn't have have never had training on ropes training, how to tie knots, these kind of things that they don't have the opportunity to learn. And then COVID happened and we had to cancel the trip. But those kind of trips that are learning, if you have a skill and you have a group of people who want to go teach that skill, we have a trip for you. Wow. So that's just contacting me at empowerknit, N-I-C, at gmail.com. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. And let me give you the website address. Yes, Because there is a do. donate button and communication there. That one is EmpowerNICA, E-M-P-O-W-E-R-N-I-C-A dot org. Perfect. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. So you, if you didn't catch that, we'll have it in the show notes. Yes. Yeah. 
Excellent. Did you have any thoughts? I just had one question. The mentors that you have, what is the age range? I'm just trying to envision It's a good this. question, yeah. We thought, we thought, Robin and I, thought they needed to be probably around at least a minimum of age 15 because it's very sensitive material that they're teaching. They, you know, they talk pretty bluntly about sex and things like that. And so we thought that would be appropriate. But then we realized that this is not our culture. It's not our decision. And they have trained some amazing 12-year-old kids who have become the most incredible leaders that you would have. If you see these kids teaching a class, and they'll they'll be a little 12-year-old girl teaching a class with 18-year-old boys in it. And she, it doesn't even, people probably listen and are like, that's just totally inappropriate. But you wouldn't believe it if you saw it. And those are the things that we kind of had to learn as we go down there is what we feel like is um, necessary and appropriate based on our mores and values is not necessarily the same. And you have to partner with these agencies and partner with these this organizations and these communities um, and it that's not dictating how how things go so we had several years of lessons in that way but we do have up to 18 19 years old some that don't go off to school will stay 21 that we've had a lot of success one of our mentors started he learned English he went off and went to school in Costa Rica and is now an engineer and he credits that to empower he said he would have never had the opportunity to do those things and so yeah so hopefully we're making a difference in a small amount of people's lives that's exactly right i mean even if it was just one life that was impacted right and and it's worth it and and just realizing he couldn't have done that if Mm -hmm. he had already had children that he had to take care of and continue a cycle that i'm sure has happened for generations and so overall what is the in that area what is their main source of income as just as a town city village there Uh, agriculture is big you know they're in that area we are out we're outside a fairly decent sized city which is leon Um, we're on the outskirts of that so there's a lot of um, warehouses that put together parts there's a bicycle assembly plant close by but in that community uh, which is very poor and even throughout that there's levels of economic success so you can go to one end of the barrio and people are living under sticks and tar and then the other end of it they may have you know a solid uh, concrete home so there's a lot of levels within the poverty Mm. so those people inside there are mostly cooking selling their goods sewing you know, it's it, it, you need to get out of there if you're a young person. There's not opportunity for to flourish within that barrio. Got so, it. Yeah. Got it. So, do they head to the big cities or? Yes. Yeah. A lot. If they have the opportunity, they go to Leon or Managua. Managua is much more industrialized and so do they have education systems like what we have up here, where there's you know high school and colleges. Yes. Yep, the yeah. educational system is very similar in in the way it's structured, but it's it's poor education. The teachers are not necessarily trained in that field; they're just people who are willing to do it. The colleges are are good, but they are free to get in. You have to pay a fee, and then you have to pay your books and your transportation. So that's what really these scholarships, although they're small, like we two hundred fifty dollars, but that gets gets them their their school books, the bus 
you know, the transportation every single day they have to pay for, food if they're on campus, those kind of things. So that 250 goes a long way. And that's still something that pro- is prohibitive for most kids to even uh-huh. be able to do that. Yeah. So 250 goes a long way. Very long. Think of <laughs> Very what, far. Just think about what we are paying now to fill up our gas tanks and, and to think you could supply somebody's you know college education yes and that's we're supporting um, a mentor now he was he lived a good ways away from where we base you know in Ruben Duria but he was a mentor for a couple of years and we're supporting him right now he is in med school and it's really costing us two hundred dollars every five or six months just to support him and uh yeah so it is. I don't think people realize how much they can do with how little. That's that's exactly needed. right. Now, since you began in 2011, have you kept up with some of the graduates of your program? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the really cool thing is everybody's on Facebook or Instagram. So, oh, that's you right. know, they, they all have cell phones and social media. And so I talk to my mentors very often, that's the great. ones that have left and just keep up with what they're doing and talk to the ones that are current. That's just how we communicate. We have to do Google Translate a good bit, but they're pretty savvy with right. that. So, so um, I know a lot of Spanish speaking Americans here. Mm-hmm. Do you need those that know Spanish to go down there with you, or you've got translators there? We do have translators there. Ryder is on our staff, so he's with us pretty much 24-7 to translate. And Robin and I have picked up a good bit of Spanish, but we wouldn't, you know, just go out on our own in a big group right. and try to communicate. I know how to say, donde es baño? Where's the, the bathroom? bathroom? <laughs> yes, it's down the hall. I wish I could say that real quick. Now, if I, that's the problem. I can... If I can think it through for about five minutes, yeah, that's right. I can answer you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's a great place, though. I would encourage anybody that wants to visit. I can set you up in it, and the travel there is also inexpensive. So once really? you get there, I mean, airline tickets fluctuate just like everywhere they do. But once you get there, the trips we were going to do for the firefighters was for a full week in a hotel and we stay in a very nice hotel in town because it's just safer there's nowhere to stay in the barrio for us so we we have to stay there but for a full week what you paid for your flight was going to be like sixteen hundred dollars for a full week that included food lodging activities transportation now nobody write that down because things have changed in the past couple of years and inflation's different and i don't know what you know what the cost of of food and boarding is down there now right i'll find out soon enough but but yes it's very for a week trip to be able to experience a beautiful country with incredible people it's a drop in the bucket sign me up you want to go vicky i'd love to go i'm do it curious another thing so how do you travel from the hotel well Ryder had a car for a while okay for most of the years and so he just came and picked us up and we go to the barrio. But in the last couple of years, he has, he hasn't had a car and we just, you just hail a cab. Okay. <laughs> it's like five bucks to get out there. That's also cheap. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Sign me up. Or you can ride the, the city bus where you may share it with a rat or something, but <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah. That's I, always an experience. Though. See, we, we, I am all about experiences. Yeah. I, I am, I'm ready to break out and see the world. Yeah, we were on a bus once that we we call it a rat bus. Means it's 
a bus that it's like a school bus. Right. And we had one with us, and it was that was cool. And then oh you can ride in the back of the chicken buses as well, which we like to do because it's open air. It's where, I, you know, chickens are. Yes. And that's fun. You can get on a motorcycle with four other people at the same time. What? Yeah. They can, <laughs> they can ride a family of five on one motorcycle. And we've attempted. It's kind of like how many clowns can you get a volkswagen it's right. kind of the same concept oh my goodness <laughs> there's so many fun experiences so how long is that drive on the motorcycle like what i mean what? you can go anywhere on that but i'm saying the, how far are you riding on that motorcycle oh we just from? rode through town we just had a guy that so took us short. through town yeah okay it was just to see yeah. i think we got i think we only got three people on but it was <laughs> i think that was <laughs> enough see if we could do yeah it's there's so many Funny little cool things like just seeing Do somebody. Do they got the rickshaws or whatever? Yes, yes, they have those. And then we had, we saw this one guy. I mean, every time we need to write a book every time we go because the things you see and you're just, it, it's funny, and but it's just like, <laughs> wow, it's efficient. Um, <laughs> so yeah. we go and see this guy just, he's on his bike and he has a mattress on his head. Like an act. he's like, <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs> Was it a king size mattress? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> so maybe you could do it. Maybe yeah. you can do a single. That's right. A twin. Just balance it on your head. Yeah. Oh, riding down, word. riding on a bicycle, one handed, holding a mattress over his head. Wow. Yep. Beautiful stuff. This has been fascinating. <laughs> I already knew about it, but I am like. Now you want to go. I really do. I do. Yes. I do. I didn't know about this until just now. (laughs) Now I really am interested. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, just realize we are so privileged. Yes, we are. Living living in the United States, we're just so privileged. We have all these first world problems that we don't realize. And I believe we are, as a people, seem to be more unhappy in all of our plethora of gifts that it seems like the people in in other places of the world that have far less than we do are just so gen- much happier. That was my yeah. next comment was to make was that for people never to think that pe- th- those of us in poverty, ones in poverty are unhappy right. because that is just not the case. They have a strong faith. This is just their life. This is what they've always been and so they don't look for the material things that we do that we think if we don't have then we're not happy right theirs is just true authentic survival and and worship you Mm -hmm. know and so it's it's a beautiful thing to see and it really does when you come back it will give you a whole different perspective on what you complain about Mm -hmm. well would you mind sharing that quote sure from robert upton's Toxic charity. Robert Lupton, which we like to, we call him Lupty. Oh, and he Lumpton. lets us, he lets us call him <laughs> Lupty. Um, yes, he, he put a quote on our website that says, never do for others what they have the capacity to do for themselves. To do so will produce dependency and erode dignity. This is the guiding principle of one of the pillars upon which Empowered Nicaragua has built its leading edge educational initiative. But its mission is far more than academic learning. They build leaders. By training young people to use their unique abilities to serve their community, they are addressing many of the issues of chronic poverty. In the process, these emerging leaders are raising the aspirations of their community and inspiring a hope for a flourishing future. So we were very happy to have him contribute. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. It really is. And I mean, 
as a parent, that's what we're looking for Mm -hmm. with our own kids is to have them launch and do for themselves and be productive and help others and develop a lifestyle of, you know, kindness and compassion and generosity. And we, I, I think I speak for Vicki. We are thrilled to have you here. Well, thank you. It's been good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, until we meet again, this has been Clean Slate. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen. Vicki and I plan to be with you every Monday and Friday with a new episode of Clean Slate. Find us now on Facebook and Instagram at Clean Slate with Vicki and Joanna. Find us soon on our new website, thecleanslatepodcast.com. Until next time, every day is a clean slate.